Warning, this episode may contain explicit language and spoilers for the entirety of the Reordinverse. What's up guys? Welcome to season three! We are up to the Titans Curse and I am so fucking excited, Joe. Holy crap, guys, we're gonna get introduced to one of my favourite characters. Anyway, welcome to episode 18. Bianca D'Angelo rescues a missile launcher. Oh, right. <laughs> My brain was like, that's not the title of the first chapter. No, Joe, how it's, long have we been doing this? It's the mashup story. That was the title mashup today, and we are finally getting into Titan's Curse. And even though this book doesn't have as much Annabeth as we, as much, like, as we would all appreciate. There's so much Annabeth-related content. Oh, yeah. Though. It's all about Annabeth, and she's not even in it. Because, obviously, it's told through Percy's point of view, and Percy's <laughs> all about Annabeth, <laughs> which we love so much. Only thinks about it. Yes, yeah, love it does. so much. So, all right. I'm so excited to read this book. We're now, mixing it up this time, guys. I'm going to be doing the chapter recaps, and I'm going to wing it. Mostly <laughs> because Kate forgot to write any for this episode, so yeah. this is going to be interesting to say the least and we're probably gonna waffle a lot which is super fun so joe do you want to get us started with chapter one my rescue operation goes very wrong okay here we go right so the chapter starts out with percy talia and annabeth being driven to their next mission by sally percy's mum which hell yeah no i shouldn't have to when you get driven to your battles (laughs) by your mother (laughs) anyway and so they're driving there and they're throughout the drive. Joke. Yeah, carpooling. They're being resourceful. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we should do all recaps from now on. <laughs> Just have me wing it and see what happens. <laughs> anyway. Go on, I won't interrupt. So <laughs> you have your it's your show. It's your <laughs> show. You go, girl. You say what you need to say. <laughs> so yeah, Sally's embarrassing no, yeah, Sally's embarrassing Percy telling baby stories because she's nervous. Why is she nervous, do you ask? Because they've got a distress call from Grover saying that he's found another demigod and that he needs help urgently. Not just one. Two demigods. But they haven't clarified that yet. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. He clarifies that as soon yes. as he walks in. Like, as soon when as they, they meet Grover, yeah. yeah. When they arrive, they're greeted by the principal and vice principal at this military school that Grover was undercover at. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. find they watch Talia do a trick of the trick with the mist to blend in with the students. Hell yeah. The vice principal, Dr. Thorne, though, I'm doing air quotations, <laughs> Dr. Thorne, he's not actually, he's not actually a doctor, guys. Spoiler. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, isn't quite as convinced, but lets them go to the school dance that's being held at this Hell military yeah. school. They finally meet Grover there, and they fir- the first thing that Grover tells them that is that, no, it's not one demigod, but two. Bum, two bum, siblings. He doesn't know their parents, but he can tell that they're powerful, Hell and yeah. that the reason he wasn't able to extract them is because there's a monster here, a.k.a. Dr. Thorne. <laughs> you already met him on the way Yeah. Here who's interfering with Grover's work. Hell so yeah. So that's why they needed Percy around. All right. And so... In then we get to Joe's favourite part of the chapter. Oh, it's fucking favourite part. <laughs> so, before they are able to... They have to try and blend in with the crowd, and so they decide to dance. And then, of course, there's that beautiful moment where Percy's like, who do I ask to dance? And I goes, you idiot, me. <laughs> It's adorable. Anyway, and so... Dickhead, me, over here, the one asking you. Yeah. In their attempt to get close to the D'Angelo... To the demigods. To the demigods. Bianca and Nico. I'm not really in my headspace today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not used to this much 
Making time. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, and they're attempting to get close to the D'Angelo children, siblings, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They get separated, and Percy notices that the D'Angelos have been taken by Dr. Thorne hell and yeah. are being rushed out of the auditorium. Or hell yeah. Or gymnasium, wherever they are. I think they're in the gym, yeah. school gym. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. so. Percy makes a split decision. Will he go and find Talia and let her make the decision, or will he take charge and rescue them all on his own? Percy, being Percy, decides to rescue them all on his what? own. What? Talia would not have made the same decision in the moment. No, she wouldn't have. And she even acknowledges that. She's like, yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, but Talia's a hothead just as Percy is, and they're yeah, both narcissists. Obviously. They're both e- they both equally have the same level of narcissism. Yeah, obviously. And, you know, wanting to be the main hero. Anyway, so he goes after the D'Angelo's, catches up to them, and then gets caught. (laughs) Obviously, because it's one person. He gets cornered by Dr. Thorne and gets stabbed with one of his... Stabby, stabby! One of his knives is how he explains it at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knives thrown by Dr. Thorne. And once cornered, what are they going to do? Dun, dun, dun. So yeah, literally, we're starting off with them going to the school, and I'm not wrong though. That's no, the thing. no, everything <laughs> not I wrong. said was correct, and I did it with flair, so I think I win <laughs> with gusto. Yeah. So yeah, they're arriving at the school, and Sally's being perfectly embarrassing for Percy, and that's awesome. But I also want to touch on what Percy describes Westover Hall to look like. He says it's like an evil knight's castle. It was all black stone with towers and slit windows and a big set of wooden double doors. It stood on a snowy cliff overlooking the big frosty forest on one side and the grey churning ocean on the other. And of course, this is the place Hades has chosen for his children. <laughs> it's dark and gloomy and stormy. Of course, this is the perfect place for them. <laughs> yeah, and Hades is like, looks like home. <laughs> I just love the idea of Hades looking through like brochures for sports and going like, mm, this one's too nice. My kids need to be traumatized. <laughs> He's like, they won't be allowed in my presence if they have a go I still have to box. make it feel like I'm right there with them because they wish they would be in hell. <laughs> or it feels like they're in hell. people who also have sadness inside them to be my friends and I need my yeah. kids to be my friends I love it so much so cute so yeah Sally's literally playing I will not uh, like let's I will not have a bad word said about Hades I freaking love him he's so wonderful <laughs> So anyway, Sally's playing, playing carpool mum, and she's um, you know, she's brought all the orange slices for the battle. Does <laughs> <laughs> anybody have any orange, orange slices? slices? It's from Civil War. <sighs> so yeah, and she's literally just embarrassing the shit out of Percy, and then yeah, and nobody's saying anything. Because no. the way that they explained it is that yeah, when she's just get, talking nervously yeah. out of her ass, and when they get nervous, they just sit there silently, and so she's like, "Well, I'll just keep telling. I'll just, just fill the silence." <laughs> Oh my god, did you know one time Percy was a baby and he was naked in the bathtub? Oh my god, you want to hear all about and it, the reason she's only talking about Percy is because like, she's like... She doesn't have stories about the other ones. Yeah, well, that's the only connection she has to them, so she's like, maybe they'll be interested in what they have to say about Percy. And Percy's like, ah! And then also, she just wants to embarrass Percy because it makes him more endearing because she is the Percyworth shipper number one forever. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because she loves Annabeth so much, and I can How just already think in her head going, "This is Percy's best friend. Oh, they can get married someday." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "I hear wedding <laughs> Literally, oh. literally. I love him so Sally's much. Brilliant. She's the best character aside from Triton. 
I'm gonna disagree with you, <laughs> but for you, that took you way too long to disagree with me too. Though I was like waiting for it. Oh, no, is she gonna, is she gonna I was trying not to hurt your feelings because I love Hades. Trident's the best character, though. I love Hades. Okay, but for someone who has barely any screen time, Trident's the best character, <laughs> Um, yeah, Hades. He has barely any. <laughs> well, you said screen time, but like he's barely. You know what I mean, though. Either. Hey, if you were reading this as an ebook. It's screen time. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, yeah, immediately stopped by Dr. Fauna and the principal who we know we don't care about. So. No, we don't care about her name. But then Talia starts mid-playing the mist, as you said. Yep. And then she snaps back so at Percy okay, and so goes... that noise you hear in the background is rain. Yeah. <laughs> but so they're stopped by Dr. Thorne and Talia starts doing her thing with the mist and then snaps at Percy and goes, has Karen not taught you how to do that yet? And you know how we were talking about in one of our previous episodes how, like, preemptively we're talking about this moment going, when the fuck did she learn how to do that? And when the fuck did Chiron teach her? Because she hasn't, she was a tree! I realised. It literally says, he's like, she's only been, like, awake for about four months. Yeah, I realised that he's probably taught her within those four months going, well, she's probably now the kid of prophecy. Like, you need to catch her. So, let's give her a head start with something. Either that, or she just figured out how to do it on her own and then blamed it on Chiron. Uh, Not blamed it, but, like, you know, said Chiron taught her. Or has been like, I found out by myself, why yeah. didn't Chiron teach But like, knowing how much that uh, Hazel had to go through in House of Hades to figure out how to do it with the help of Hecate herself, yeah. like, I, yeah, I don't think that this is something that Talia just stumbled on. Mm. Like, this is not something she learned how to do herself. No. So then they get into, Grover comes and rescues them, obviously, and they get into the school gym. I love that Talia goes, she's just being a music snob and just goes, ugh, who chose the Jesse McCartney? And goes like, <laughs> um, I did. And then I would just love, I just, the, one of the only Jesse McCartney songs that I know is Beautiful Soul. And so I would just love like? for that to be playing. I don't want another pretty face. I don't want just anyone to hold. Oh, that I don't one, yeah. to go to waste. I want you and your beautiful soul. That one. Man, so I, I love that that's school. Grover's choice. And then I, I also love... I love that she said Green Day. <laughs> like, yeah! And Percy's like, the fuck? <laughs> but it's, no, but before that happens, I just love when they first greet... They first, like, greet Grover. And he's like, oh, that was close. Thank God you guys get here. And it's like, T- Annabeth and Talia both hug Grover. I gave him a big high five. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Percy, you can't even hug your best friend. Like, Percy's just there like, yeah, dudes being dudes. Yeah, it's like, God, uh, you freaking... 15 year old go and hug you oh my god and then when they get into the gym and Grover's telling them about the D'Angelo's he states their ages Joe yeah he states we've got a 10 year old and, and a 12 year old yeah so we know for a fact that Nico is 10 here he's 4 years younger 3 4 4 3 4 because Percy says later that he's 14 4 years younger yeah so, all three in a bit. Like, we, yeah, but anyway. Do, what is he turning? Nico's age becomes a huge Wait, point of contention uh, yeah, in the I rest of the wanna, series. I did. I also thought about this when I was reading. I was like, I want to point out what time of year it is in each oh, of winter. these books. In each of these books. Because I was trying to figure out the timeline. And I was like, what's happening? And so, yeah, I was like, he's 14 in this one. He's 15 in the next one. but And then it's six months later last Olympian. He's like a week out from being 16 in the last one. Yeah, and so that's only like six months in between, maybe. Yeah. Give or take a few. Um, yeah. But it's not a full year. See, I thought I thought that his age was different in this one. The way I thought it was, was he was 
12 in number one, yeah. 13 in number two, 13 and a half in this one, 14 in the next one, and then it's a whole year, and then he's almost 16 in the last one. That's what I thought it was. Originally, or... Yeah. Well, because I just remember reading... Well, it's just there's such a big age gap between... Cursed Child and... Cursed Child. Cursed Child. <laughs> Titan's Curse. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, Joe. What are we doing? <laughs> anyway, Titan's Curse and oh. Battle of the Labyrinth. There's a, no, there's such a big, like, maturity age gap between these two... So, between Titan's Curse and Battle of the Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah, but there's not much of a big age gap between Battle of the Labyrinth and Last Living. So my brain is like, it's a short-term amount of time. Yeah between them. Yeah. And this is this is the year jump. So he's definitely yeah. he's definitely they See, clearly the reason, he's fourteen in this yeah. book. See and the reason that I thought that he was thirteen and a half for this one, fourteen for Battle of the Labyrinth and a week out from sixteen in Last Olympian is because the demigod files little short stories happened between Battle of the Labyrinth and Last Olympian. Yeah. So I thought they happened when he was like that fifteen like you know, middle sort of age between yeah. 14 and 16, you know? Yeah. It just made so much more sense to me that way, but I guess not. Either that or Rick's just not giving track of anything. Now, the reason that we're pointing out that Nico is 10 here... It's very important. ...is because his know. age ch- seems to change. His age seems to change over this series and Heroes of Olympus and Charles of Apollo because he's, in Charles of Apollo, supposedly the same age as Will. And if he's the same age as Will and Will's Percy's four right years now. older than him, then... In Trials of Apollo, when Will and Nico are 15, Percy has to be 19. But he's not. He's only just leaving for college, which means he's 17, turning 18. Or 18 turning 19, because some, sometimes they're 19. But I mean, he's Sometimes not. they're 18. Some, but he's not, though. Because he's only and 17 I, for Heroes of Olympus. I like the idea that he is four years older than Nico. Yeah. Like, I think I think that's a good... See, because if he's 17 in Heroes, the... Olymp- oh, Heroes of Olympus, he has to be... Then Nico has to be 13 for Heroes of Olympus, but that means Will is still older than him, and so I'm still like, what the fuck's going on? I always thought Will was at least a year older than Nico. I never thought they were the same age. No, they're the same age. That's dumb. No, I don't care what you say, Rick. You've been going back and forth on ages. I'm going to make my own age in my head. And it's the same... He does the same thing with Frank. Like, Frank's a different age. He's, yeah, Frank, Frank has his 16th yeah. birthday twice. He has his 16th birthday, and then he goes back to being, like, 15. And you're like, what? Frank freaks me out a lot, just because he likes Hazel, and I'm like... Ooh. The only way that I can justify it is if... Grover's gotten his age wrong. Gotten Nico's age wrong. Gone, oh yeah, he's 10, but he's really 11. Or, you know? Yeah. If See, he's, if he'd just change it by saying they're about 10 and 12. Yeah. Or maybe it's that he's, you know, just about to turn 11. Or something stupid like that. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. No, but I, the reason We'll I, continue to document this, though. The, <laughs> the reason I like the age gap between Percy and Nico is because Nico idolizes Percy. Yes. And in order to idolize someone, you have to see them as, you know, not in common with you. Like, yes. you have nothing in common with you. So, yes. you know, it's like when I was 10, I would look at 14 and 15-year-olds, like, completely... And go, ah, Eshes. Well, I'd be... <laughs> there were no such thing as Eshes when I was 10. Eshes-a-ba! Eshes are the 14-year-olds now. <laughs> we were way too much out of us. Oh, my God. And... Why are they wearing bum bags everywhere? Oh, my God. We're not even going to talk about our shows here. Oh, my God. For much longer. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, but yeah, well, I remember when I was, t- I mean, even when I was 10 and I looked at an 11-year-old, I was like, ah! You're like, I'm just so old. I was <laughs> like, oh my god, you just, you saw them as something completely so superior. Well, yeah. when you were 10, I would have been close to 14. Yeah, and so I saw real friends and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, like, they're not real Now people. I look back to me at 14 going, ew, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh my god. What was that age? Ew! Let's, let's not look at my, young, my, my pre-teens, let's not look back, let's just not look back, I don't really see anything good. <laughs> oh god. Anyway. Dear lord. Yeah, the only time I can look back and I'll be like, oh, I'm not completely disgusted, is like, grade 11 and up. <laughs> no, I still look back at that and I'm like, ew, what was that no. lifestyle? No. no sorry. <laughs> I, look at grade, I look at grade 11 and 12 and last year at uni and I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, yeah, alright, I guess that's At the record me. show, I'm cringing so hard. At me? Or at sure. your... Oh. But mostly at me. <laughs> we were talking about Nico's age. Right, and he's idolising Percy. Anyway, so I like the idea of the age group. Because I also like the idea that, yeah... When Percy's 15, sorry, when Nico's 15, yeah, Percy is 19. He's a full-on adult, sort of. I yeah. don't know. I mean, technically, I, I'm 19 and an adult, but I don't feel like one. <laughs> but yeah. And so, Rick, you should have stuck with your guns. Stop pussying out and changing their age. See, and we know that Percy's 17 in Here's Olympus because it happened six months after Last Olympian. And then it goes for about a year. Yeah the whole series does which is just so he's like 18 at the end of it he's 17 to begin with and he's 18 by the end of it or close to and then Apollo picks up immediately after so okay if we're getting back to the actual (laughs) book (laughs) oh yeah trying to find so much to talk about that made me laugh so much oh yeah Grover's wearing a shirt that Percy reads to say he doesn't know whether it's Grover's rank, or whether it's the school motto, but it just says West Overhaul, colon, grunt. <laughs> and that's the school motto. I'm just imagining a band of military kids going, West Overhaul! <laughs> <laughs> Which is like if they were going up against like another school just blast. Just secret property! <laughs> <laughs> Literally! Literally, they're the frat boys from Grown Ups. That's a fantastic comparison. Even though we've already made that comparison with the party ponies. <laughs> oh, we did, yeah. It fits, though. It's, if the shoe fits. If the, sh- if the boot fits. <laughs> Say that again. So, yeah, then we, yeah, they get into the dance and, you know, they're playing jazz and we can't even, just just fucking funny. Yeah. And Talia's reference to Green Day is amazing. Green who? <laughs> yes, and then, so Joe, do you want to talk a little bit about Annabeth and Percy's moment right here? Oh my god, it's one of my favourite moments. It's so adorable. I can't even express how much I love it. <laughs> She's hugging her book right I now. I was just <laughs> reading, when I was reading it last night, I was just there like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Anywho, because I was like, what awkwardness in its finest. <laughs> yeah, like, they really need to do this scene justice in the show. They fucking better. I'm gonna be pissed off if they gloss over this. I'm gonna be like, no, I need to see blushing. I need to see some fidgety, awkward hand movements. Just from Percy, though. I need Annabeth to be like fully 
calm and comfortable and being like not too overexcited but like yeah I get to dance with Percy and Percy's like oh my god because <laughs> he's freaking out and it's so cute see but he's not like that though here he's more like oh you want to oh you're talking about oh you want to dance with me oh oh, oh but okay, it's literally oh. like when he dances with her he's just like he's like she took my hand kind of like the way she does when she judo flips me and I was <laughs> like I'm not going to bite and so he's that's when he goes a bit more like Oh, okay. What's the What's the little clip? And then he's in? like, "Oh my god, my hand is on her waist!" Ah! What's the little clip in Inside? Is it Inside Out, where they're in the dad's brain? No, or just a teenage boy's brain? And, <laughs> girl, yeah. girl, girl, <laughs> and everyone's running around not knowing what to do. They're like, and there's like sirens. That's <laughs> what I'm imagining Percy's brain like. Right exactly. Now. That's how I picture it. And I'm like, so cute. It's so cute. So adorable. Anyway. <laughs> I don't want another pretty face. I don't want just anyone to hold. Don't want my love to go to waste. Oh my god, and they're dancing to that song. Oh my gosh, it's like their anthem. Guys, just picture it. Two 14 year olds, so awkward and so uncomfortable. And it being so cute because you know, they both know that they like each other, but they don't want to admit it because they're both 14 year olds and they're just nervous. And it's just so, it's, it's just such a precious moment. So adorable. And on top of that, it's so, the first line is as Talia says, you know, dance, blend in, you have to dance with each other. And there's a whole page and a half of you know Percy uh, procrastinating before he has to do anything and what he says is that Talia then says it again and says dance you guys Talia ordered you look stupid just standing there I looked nervously at Annabeth and then at the groups of girls who were roaming the gym well Annabeth asked um who should I ask she punches me in the gut me seaweed brain seaweed brain oh uh, all right. I'm back. It's just so cute and precious, and it's my favorite thing in this whole book. Is see, this ho- it's I'm my surprised. favorite? Is this your favorite book? Moment. No. See, monsters is your favorite. I don't. I don't know. I call see, every single one. I'm surprised that this one's not your favorite because it's literally just Percy pining after Annabeth for the entire book. Okay, I take it back. And being the only one concerned about her whereabouts, solely just her whereabouts. I take it back for the whole book. Like, everyone else has ulterior motives. I take it back. The only book that's not my favourite is Lightning Thief. That still is pretty good. (laughs) No, like, don't get... Look, I love The Lightning Thief, but it's just... It doesn't hit like all the others do. Like, let's let's be real. Because it's still... Because, of course, it's it's an introduction book. Yeah. And so we wouldn't be anywhere without it, because that's the book that introduced us to the rest of these amazing Percival moments. Well, yeah. So, but what I love about these is... It's it's more established and it's just cutesy and it's adorable. It's just so I seriously you gotta stop me if you <laughs> Well, if we're staying on the topic of dancing, Talia and Grover are dancing together, and I just love the idea of because Talia's like ew <laughs> to like all things always. Yeah, and she's also still holding a candle to Luke. Ugh. Actually, we won't blame her because he's kind of hot, but you know. Wait, she's still holding a candle for him. Yeah, haven't you heard anything she fucking says in this book? She hasn't said anything about him yet. Yeah, she... Oh, okay, maybe... Well, you haven't read the next few chapters, but, like, <laughs> she's like, I still can't believe that Luke... Oh, you know, you know, going on about that kind of thing. Or, like, she's still coming to terms with the fact that Luke is bad. Yeah, because they've been Bad boy months. supreme. They've been dealing for the two and a half years, where yeah. she's like, it's been, like, two months, yeah. and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, so Grover and Talia are dancing together. 
Grover's probably having a great time. Oh, but like, <laughs> you're the stuck in my head. <laughs> you're welcome. But I'm just imagining like the classic hands on the shoulders, rock side to side dance that you get in middle like, school. As far away as you can get from the other person you're dancing with. <laughs> An arm's length away. And see, I know I'm imag- see, I'm imagining everybody else dancing with like yeah, locked elbows. <laughs> and you're not getting any closer to me. And I'm just imagining Percy and Annabeth just with that, not like close, close together, but like they're not locked elbows and like holding each other as far away as possible. They both got like, you know, bent arms a little bit, and yeah. so they're like you know, calling each other close. I also love the else. comparison. I'm sure that you read this little bit as it's I left. So cute. If you could see inside my head, quite like. I'm, listeners I mean and Kate really if you could see inside my head you would freaking love this scene as much as I do because it's so what were you going to say I was going to say that you probably read this when you when I left the room before but like Percy saying that even though he's been to dances before he hasn't danced with girls he's normally okay well he said that when Annabeth asked him have you ever been to a dance before and he's like well yeah but normally I'm one of the guys playing basketball in the corner (laughs) too awkward to dance with girls but now he'll accept a dance from Annabeth Yes. Because why? Not because Annabeth is amazing. Also, I would love to just go and play with them. <laughs> I'd be like, hell yeah, let's play basketball. I would just suck at it, but <laughs> it's just shooting hoops. Should be right. So then Annabeth gets cut off when she's talking about San Francisco. Oh, that's right. And he's asking her intimate questions yeah. while they're dancing. How cute is that, guys? Yeah, and like asking her things, and she's like, I probably should tell you something. And then they get cut off because Percy's like, Where the fuck are the kids? <laughs> Protective dad mode. Protect a bad mode. Save your children. So yeah, Annabeth runs off to get Talia and Grover, and then Percy's like, "I'm gonna take this, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna follow them." And he's like, "I should wait, but I won't because I should always." I like Talia would strive ahead, and I'm also a kid of big three, so like I can do it too. A little bit of humor. Yeah, I mean, he was feeling a little butt hurt because in the last two books, he's been, you know, the center of attention and who everyone turns to for answers. And now he's going. Now that Talia's here, he's like, she has seniority over me, and so yeah. she's getting all the questions and yeah, people yeah, were yeah. wanting answers from her and Percy's a little butt hurt about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that is part of his, you know, train of thought when he's deciding whether or not to go and find Talia or to go and follow Dr. Thorne. Yeah. But then anyway, he does find, well, he finds the kids at least first and then he's, you know, going he walks into, into a trap. being great with kids mode and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to get you out of here. So and then cute. Dr. Thorne's like, just love bitch, him. you thought... You thought you was going to get past me. Just when he was like, you don't have to be afraid of me. I'm here to help. I yeah. can, he's like, my name is Percy. I try to keep my voice level. I'm going to take you out of here and get you somewhere safe. Yeah. Aww, yeah. So yeah. Cute. King. King. And then Dr. Thorne's like, I'm going to stab you instead, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, it's just kind of my vibe. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yes. So and that's pretty much the end of That's chapter, chapter one, one, guys. Yeah. Are you ready to ramble for chapter two, Joe? I'm ready to ramble! So, Joe, tell us what's going to happen. Before we continue, I have to see where chapter three and two ends. Okay. See where we're up to. So, Joe, tell us, in chapter two, the vice principal gets a missile launcher. What happens? All right. So, here in chapter two, we have the most devastating loss that sets up what the rest of this book is about and all the angst coming to life in Percy. Yeah, I don't remember it being so early on that she's No, gone. I was like, second chapter? Are you kidding me? Yeah, but in hindsight, after, you know, rereading these few chapters, I'm like, well, of course, she's not she's not there in, you know, 
Of course she's gone so early on. Yeah. They have to set up the stakes. Guys, guys this chapter is action-packed, so there's not too much to talk about, but um, um, or to really explain. All right, so what happens in this chapter is... Dr. Thorne gets his rant on. So this chapter, it starts off with Dr. Thorne going, uh, continuing on threatening Percy, and Percy going, well, I better play it safe at the moment. And so he decides that instead of straight up fighting against Dr. Thorne, he should just stick with the kids and play dumb. And while he's doing that, he connects with his empathy link to Grover. Alright, so guys, this is the chapter where we lose Annabeth. The very beginning of this book, we lose Annabeth. Chapter 2. Yeah. So what happens is Percy decides to play it safe and stick with the kids and make sure that they never leave his side. So instead of fighting Dr. Thorne immediately, he calls for backup through his empathy link to Grover. What? Nothing. I've got to note about that. (laughs) Okay. To Grover. They're led into the woods and over to near a cliff. And to save time, Percy asks Dr. Thorne to monologue, and so he does, and talking about the great plan and mentions someone called the General and Mm. the Great Stirring, Mm. both of which we are going to discuss because I can't fully remember and Kate's going to elaborate. Sure, 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 sure. Once in the clearing and feeling like all is lost, Talia, Annabeth, and Groban finally show up to save the day. And just when they think they have the upper hand, oh no! Talia gets knocked down. Percy leaves the kids to go and help her. And then the hunters arrive! The hunters of what, you ask? The hunters of Artemis! Bing, bing, bing! Talia, for some reason, is pissed off that they're there, but whatever, we'll figure that out later. And even though the hunters have shown up, they get distracted and the Manticore uh, makes a threat that if he's going down, he's going to take as many people as he can with him. And he tries to lunge at the two weak opponents in front of him that just happen to be Percy and Talia lying on the ground. So Annabeth jumps on his back and pulls him away as far as she can get. Then they plummet off the side of the cliff, and Annabeth is gone. Forever. What? <laughs> oh, have you not read the end of this book, Joe? Yeah, she's gone. Gone, gone. She's what? fully dead. No! <laughs> A white man! No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my one note in here is, uh, like, in The Incredibles. I was like, he starts marveling! <laughs> every time, every time. I'm like, what a great... Way to uh, you know save time, and also Bianca being like <laughs> Bianca being like, oh man, yeah, no, he's completely nuts. And Percy's like, we should jump off the cliff, and he's like, she's like, oh okay, yeah, you're completely nuts too. As long as, long as we're all aware. When they're first running away, and Percy's trying to get in contact with Grover, I laughed out loud quite a few times because he's basically using anything he can think of to get Grover's attention. Tin cans! Grover, get your skinny ass out of here! <laughs> Bitch, I'm gonna kill you! Get out here and save me! They're like, I traveled across the sea of monsters for your furry ass! Get yours out here now for me! Apples! Tin cans! Get your furry goat behind out here and bring some heavenly armored friends! <laughs> what a great response. It's literally got flashbacks here. <laughs> Run old Weasley! How dare you steal that car! Oh, it just <laughs> he keeps doing it because he still can't get you know Grover's attention. So he's still oh he's like Thorns get 
something else. He's a poisonous spike throwing maniac. Help! <laughs> oh, it's just funny. And then <laughs> come to me. My jungle. Uh, yeah, literally my jungle friends. And someone's like, "What are you doing? Why aren't you paying attention to me?" <laughs> They're trying to tell you my evil plans and you're only listening. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, "I better make the more extravagant." Well, once one time. <laughs> So he literally starts talking about, well, Thorn starts, yeah, telling his evil plan and, you know, talking about who hired him and whatever else, and he starts talking about the general, a.k.a. Atlas, a.k.a. something's done, and... Mm, well, we haven't found that out yet, so you guys no. don't know either. Shh, no, and I'm not going to elaborate that on that until we get a few more hints about it, so, you know, because I don't, just don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. What? It's a surprise. <laughs> but I can talk about the Great Stirring, so... Right. The Great Stirring is the awakening of all the powerful monsters, ones that have been sleeping or in Tartarus and haven't been seen for literally millennia to the point where gods have forgotten that some of these monsters exist. Yeah. So that's why they're dangerous because, you know... They're like, they don't, oh, shit! Well, this is why they're dangerous. They didn't need humans to believe in them for them to come back. All that they needed was Kronos's, you know, willpower. That's Ow. all they needed. So yeah. Kronos needed to remember them, which, you know, he's been chilling with them down in Tartarus, so he's, he's like, oh my god, name check! Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, the guy in the cell next to me, like, uh, yeah, totally knew him. Yeah, no, we bros. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just he- convinced all of his old allies to come up out of hiding and wage war on the Olympians. Out of so, hiding? Oh my god. Out a of hiding. A bunch of the ones who have been awakened are Typhon, Dracons, uh, Campy, who we'll see in the next book. Uh, the Opatorius, which I won't go too much into because we love her. Uh, the Klas- yeah, the Klasmonian okay. Sow, uh, some of the Empusai, which we talked about Empusa. in the last, you know, in the last book. Then you've got the some of uh, Hercules's nemeses or his tasks, like the Nemean Lion. You've got uh, Gaia berries, you know, and then you've got the Manticore, which is what Thorn is. The Manticore, yeah. Okay, so my next note was that Bianca is hilarious. Bianca. Yeah, I totally forgot that. She's hilarious. She's so funny. She and Nico are both, like, dryly funny. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, really good. Because we all know how dry funny Nico is. Well, we know that because he's traumatized in the other books, and that's his way of coping. He's, in in these early books, he's an extrovert. But he's learnt it from Bianca. Yeah, her way of dealing with the world. He was like, I'm going to take that personality on. But before that, he's just an excitable little kid. Because she was traumatized in her own way. Yeah. Which is that she was shackled with the responsibility yeah. of raising her little brother. Which is why she joined the Hunters later. In yeah, which is why she wanted to she wanted to her. escape those feelings of being trapped. Which is dickish, but also, like, I get it for a 12-year-old, but it's still, why would, me at 12, I would not leave my younger sibling behind. No. That's fucked. Absolutely bit. not. Then no. again, I haven't had to spend 70 years in the Lotus Casino with any of you, so <laughs> I don't know if I'd manage that, to be honest. You love me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so, I wrote Bianca Keep your hilarious to yourself, because Dr. Thorne says that, you know, he's talking about this great stirring and uh, all the powerful monsters that will bring down Olympus, and Bianca goes, yeah. okay, so he's completely nuts. Yeah, that's what I his reaction to that sentence is, we have to jump off the cliff, and she goes, you're fucking nuts too, I'm not jumping off with you. <laughs> yeah. She's just, yeah, See, funny. See, that's brilliant, because she, But I, just the way I imagine her saying is that, yeah, she's completely calm, but she's just sort of, like, stating facts to herself, like, oh, okay, I guess this is the situation <laughs> Yeah. Be like, alright, so he's nuts. Okay. Alright, you're nuts too. Alright. Hell so, yeah. Which is the most beneficial nuts road, route to go down? 
Well, then Annabeth appears. We don't have to answer that question because Annabeth appears. Well, not technically because she's underneath her invisibility cap, but she comes <laughs> slamming into Thorn and Percy's like, "What invisible force? Oh yeah, my best friend. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Do my best friend. <laughs> Go best friend." <laughs> So then she shows up in Talia and Grover shop as well, and they're basically like, yeah, reinforcements! Fuck! Dr. Thorne's still massively huge! Oh my god, how are we going to go against him? Ah! All this time, With also, that Percy's been, Percy's been stabbed and poisoned this whole time, yes. so like, he's still he, finding through that, you know? Yeah, there's po- the poison's not lethal, but yeah, it Dr. does... Yeah, Dr. Thorne's like, shit, up, it won't kill you. But <laughs> <laughs> did you die? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and then Talia comes in with her Aegis shield, and Percy says it's not her actual, it's not the actual Aegis shield. So the no, stuff that we were just discussing copy. in, I think it was the last episode of. Well, when we were talking about Medusa. No, 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 no. The last episode of that we like episode before this. I think that's when we were talking about Talia and her shield and where the shield came oh, it from must have been, yeah. and that kind of thing. And we were trying to discuss whether it was. Zeus's actual Aegis shield, but no, this one's just... Yeah, because why would he give that up? Yeah, literally. And so then we were trying to think, was it, you know, this is when we were bringing up, did he leave it behind with Beryl, aka Talia's mother, to bring him back? Yeah. Like, as that bargaining chip, and then she's just passed it on to Talia. No, that's not what happened. She just got a copy. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. And then Grover starts playing a little reed pipe song, and it says, in tune to a sea shanty, and all I could think of was that one on TikTok that's the the Billy of Tea one. Yeah. Well, dun 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 Billy boy yo. Soon may the weathermen come to bring the sugar and tea and rum. I'll take a leave and go. Yeah, that one. That's all. <laughs> and so I'm just imagining Grover ahead of his time, obviously. I tell you what. <laughs> He's singing this sh- sea shanty through his pipe. I love also so love the one that the Chicky sings where it's like, I mother told oh, yeah. me. Someday I will find. It's a good song. But so then, Dr. Thorne, or not Dr. Thorne, I think it's Annabeth who says, Oh my god, he's a manticore! Yes, <laughs> why would he say that? I am a manticore! A man. Manticore. <laughs> a man to the core? No, because he's not a man to the core, because he's part lion and part scorpion. A man to the core. Lol. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say, so... In here, <laughs> he's basically got a human head, a lion's body, and a scorpion tail. Little arms. Which, now, how can his tail throw knives? If it's a scorpion, it's like a spiked scorpion tail. A manticore. They're super fun. Basically, human face, lion body, scorpion tail. Yeah. It is a actual monster from Persian mythology instead of Greek like yeah. it, it was brought it was he was like I'm gonna mix it all up it was in Persia first and then a Greek went to Persia and basically stole it s- was like one of the footmen to the king and then the king had one and he basically the Greek wrote about the one that the king had and was like look he's got this really cool monster and then kind of brought one of its babies back to Greece I think yeah and that's how it was introduced to ancient Greece but basically the manticore is a man eater He's a man. It's got the body of a lion, the face of a man, and a spike-tipped arrow-shooting tail. And it's basically a creature that was said to be unconquerable, which (laughs) is really fun. It occurs in, um, like, medieval bestiaries, and that's because of just how old it is. Mm -hmm. So it was 
called a man-eater because it was famed for eating its victims and leaving literally nothing behind. So it would eat you, like, clothes and armour and all and literally not leave anything, which is... must be horrible. Yeah, super fun. And only skilled hunters were able to track it down and the only ones that they were able to... Like, the only time it was able to be killed was when they were young cubs because they weren't fully invulnerable yet. Yeah. So that's the only time that people could kill them. So you needed a really skilled hunter to find the nest and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Right. And they had to... And that was when they were able to be killed because their tails hadn't developed their full potent sting yet. Yeah. Which is fun. Oh, good times. Yeah. <laughs> and it was also... So if you had a adult one that you needed to vanquish then it was thought that if you could capture one and stomp on its tail hard enough then it would become deformed and wouldn't be able to grow the deadly stingers and that's kind of so you wouldn't necessarily kill it you'd just like incapacitate it yes yeah which is fun i guess so it was (laughs) generally found in persia and india and had the face of a man, a skin as red as a cinnabar, and it was as large as a lion. So there's different kind of vi- like depictions of what it looks like, but most say it's got the body of a lion, not just as large as a lion. Anyway, it's got three rows of teeth and light blue eyes like a man, and tail like that of a land scorpion with one big thing, to big stinger at the end. Yeah. But then others say, oh, it's got spikes on it, blah, 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 so that it can, you know, throw knives at you, like, in here... The thing that's really confusing is every or most of the artworks of Manticores also have like dragon leathery wings. Yeah. Which like is not from onward. Yeah. Which is not ever said in any of the feet. any of the, you know, like writings of a Manticore. That's not a thing. Which is just interesting. So somebody would just went, let's jazz it up. Yeah. So the the other thing that's in like histories that isn't the same as in Percy Jackson. So Dr. Thorne says his sting isn't fatal, whereas in histories it was, because manticores were able to take down pretty much any animal in the wild except an elephant because they were too big. Yeah. Yeah, so elephants were, like, better than manticores, which is super Uh, fun. Elephants are OG. Yeah, pretty much. And... Dumbo who? (laughs) (laughs) So... Sure, this will understand, Terry. One of the main things that I found cool... So, like, I obviously read this book before I read Chain of Gold, because that's quite new, but one of the main demon monsters in Chain of Gold is a manticore. It has different powers. It's kind of similar, because yeah. it's got, like, similar, similar things that it does. They're the same title over and over again. Well, no, the reason that they use it is because Cordelia, who's the main character, is Persian. So it makes sense to use a Persian-coded monster demon okay. for, you know, the plot. Which is, right. I think it's interesting, but the way that they do the sting What's is... What's her parentage again? Persian and... Um, well, her parents are Sona, I can't remember her last name, who's Persian, and then Elias Kestes, who's, or Kestes, however you say it, who Elijah. is uh, Chinese. Elias. Elias. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're from who's China. Chinese, they're yeah. from the Chinese Institute. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Institute in China. So... Just trying to picture who we're talking about. I mean, its powers in um, Chain of Gold are kind of kind of similar because it sent it has like boils on its skin that like melt off and turn into these little ghoul things that go around and poison and kill people. <laughs> so like it's kind of the same as a stinger, I guess. Man, you thought you had bad egg. And it is like a lion shape, that kind of thing. So not you, just like you know the like, yeah. statement. Yeah. And if you thought you had bad acne, <laughs> yeah. So that I mean that makes sense in that. But before I so when I read this book, I was 
quite young. And you know how when you don't have anything to compare an image of something to, you kind of make up what it is in your head or you yeah. wait for some other kind of association to make sense of one thing? Yeah. So I didn't really have an image in my head for what a manticore was. I kind of was just like, it's like a blob and I will associate a picture with that later in life when I figure out what it looks like because I'm too yeah. lazy to go and research it right now. Yeah. When I watched Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> yeah. You know when King Candy turns into that insect thing? <laughs> Is that what you thought of? Yeah. My mind started associating that turbo-tastic Honestly, insect that's, thing with the manticore. Honestly, that doesn't sound too bad. Because hey. it has his face. Yeah. But it's got like an insect and rest of it. And it's got those looking. it's got King Candy has those two big Stingers. I don't know, yeah, out the back yeah. of his tail. So like I was like, yeah, that's a manticore. But what he really looks like is like a lion, yeah? Yes. With a, with a scorpion yes. tail. So like very different to how Cory looks in Onward, an actual manticore, <laughs> which is fun. But I yeah, so anytime I reread this, I just think of King Candy. Yeah. Or Turbo. Turbo-tastic. Turbo-tastic. <laughs> With his lisp. And I just think it's funny because he does have, like, Turbo a slash King Candy does have a lisp in Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> and in Scotty's Curse. Yeah, Percy makes note of the fact that Thorn speaks differently because he pronounces his J's like, you know. Jacqueline. Yeah. So he calls him Percy Jackson. <laughs> Which I just think is really fun. So, like, the speech compared to the speech of <laughs> Turbo. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. And so it was like a good comparison. <laughs> and just, so it wasn't until I watched Onward that I was like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Oh, no, I like mine better. <laughs> I like the cyborg version better. <laughs> yeah. But I also just love when um, he was in the middle of when he was doing his monologue and he said, the general. He said, the general. And so first he went, the general. The, the general. general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was just like, well, no. And he was like, who's the sh- Oh, it's just funny. <laughs> so then the next thing that I wrote before the hunters show up <laughs> is when... Yeah, so it's after he's sort of said what he is. Ugh. And then Nico goes, a manticore? He's got 3,000 attack power and plus 5 to saving throws. Obviously talking about myth and magic because he's into yeah, that role-playing card you know, game. Kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. But... <laughs> Him using these statistics, he is literally fish legs from How to Train the Dragon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big fucking time. Josh Drake well. <laughs> I know that we keep comparing Percy Jackson to How to Train the Dragon, but there's just so many good. You can't not. It's so good. <laughs> it's just so many because good Clarice is not loud. <laughs> not loud is Clarice. Not loud. Not loud. Oi, oi, oi. Because that's how I pictured. Oh my god. It's just too good. Like. Guys, you can't not. You, if you watch <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon, you just see Snotland and how he acts, like the TV show as well as the uh, movies. You'll just be like, oh, the yeah. TV show is fantastic. The TV show is the best thing ever. Uh, it is one of my favorite TV shows. And people are like, it's a kid's show. And I'm like, ah, fuck yeah. off. So if we're talking also <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon, it's if we're so associating funny. things from How to Train Your Dragon, if we're still talking about the Manticore, you know from the TV show, what's the Berserker's name? Redhead who has patched. Dagger. Dagger. When he gets that dragon with the three scorpion tails. Yeah, triple strike. Yeah, I imagine, I started imagining that tail on King Candy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a manticore. <laughs> yeah. No, I fully get it. Yeah. Because when you were talking about King Candy, my brain was like, triple strike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, like, fun. So, these are the associations that we play. It's, and it's fun. really. Seriously. A good time. Recommend. How to change it. It's one of my favorite franchises. 
It's yeah. so good. Yeah. People are like, I love Star Wars. I love Marvel. And I'm like, I love Dragon. <laughs> but then you're like, but I also love Marvel. <laughs> Marvel's good, yeah. Cut to you this morning going, I just want to watch a super fairy film. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was in the mood to watch Sebastian Stan. Because I was like, that sexy <laughs> motherfucker needs to be appreciated. <laughs> By me. Not enough, of, not enough episodes of Falcon of the Winter Soldier out for you. No, because <laughs> we watched one episode and he was sad the whole time. I needed some... <laughs> Hey, he was sad for... He wasn't sad the whole time. When he was sitting in the therapist's <laughs> office, it was yeah. really funny. You're going to do the notebook trick? That's passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you wear those gloves all the time? I've got bad circulation. <laughs> this show's going to be fantastic. It's going to be cool. So yeah, at the time of this recording, guys, only one episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier's out, so... Yeah. Fun times for That's, us. Just to give you, like, a clarification on when yeah. we recorded it. Yeah. So then, basically, yeah, action, 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 and then Thorn basically gets thorned by the Hunters of Artemis. Fun times, and Talia hates them. He gets shot. (laughs) Well, yeah. I've been shot! (laughs) I've just been shot! (laughs) So yeah, our Hunters of Artemis, not something that Rick's just made up. Artemis had a band of maidens in Yeah, and there's many, many stories about them. Yeah, yeah, so she did. A lot uh, of them include people though, molesting some of her hunters, and it's like, great, I love that. Before I get into Some real that, bright, though. happy stories in there. Sorry. There's just... a really funny edit on Tumblr that was going around probably 2012-ish, when Brave hey, came out. We haven't given enough tribute to Adam F yet. Okay, but before that. <laughs> when Brave came out, yes. you know how... The dad in Brave. He's oh, really he's amazing. Funny. He's so good. And when it's exactly what your dad. When Meredith's trying to convince her dad to let her not go through with the marriage ceremony, choosing a husband's stuff, and he starts imitating her, and he goes, "I don't want to get married. I want to stay single and let my hair flow in the wind as I ride through the Glen, firing arrows into the sunset." <laughs> <laughs> that edit was going around Tumblr with just the hashtag Hunters of Artemis. I don't want to get married. <laughs> God, it's so good. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what were you going to say about Annabeth? She's not that important. I want to talk about Hunter. <laughs> the look you just gave me. I wanted that reaction. Of course you did. Man. Gosh. It's just so fun to rile you up, Joe. Basically, Annabeth dies. No, I didn't really have anything specific to say, but I just wanted to mention that I don't think we've paid enough tribute to the fact that, uh, to Annabeth's demise. I'm like... She's gone. So sad. Flaming arrow into the sunset. (laughs) (laughs) My god. See, what's better about it is that Percy's immediately wrecked and everyone else is like... That's what I mean. I'm like, we need to Everyone else is like, oh my god, the hunters. Whereas Percy's like, guys, our friend, she's fucking over the cliff. Charlie is straight into strategy mode, whereas Percy's still like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) My (laughs) man. So yeah, the hunters of Artemis are... They're basically maidens for Artemis, obviously. In history, we're kind of called the Artemis retinue, but then also just called the maidens of Artemis. They weren't really, they didn't really have a name. So they were a band of like mortals and nymphs, and she was just their protector because they were mostly made up of premarital virgin girls because that's what she was the maiden of, basically. And they performed ritual dances in her honor as well as accompanying her on her hunts and that kind of thing. So what's fun is. The core of the retinue was made up of 20 naiads, who were the daughters of the river god Amnonos, and then 60, 60 nereids, or oceanids, and they were all nine years old in appearance. Mm-hmm. And then she had a bunch of mortals that she turned immortal, or that Apollo turned immortal, to go into the hunt. So there was Aspalus, who was a girl from Greece, and... Wait, why did Apollo have to turn them immortal? Oh, he just she... did for some of them. 
because he was in some myths he was the protector of virgin boys so it was like yin and yang oh, that's cute yeah so some of the girls who returned in were sure it was a sex symbol in this thing in this series so yeah well so the idea of him being hot stuff page, well the idea <laughs> of him stuff. being a patron for virgin boys is like what? <laughs> yeah. So, of the girls who were granted immortality, there was Aspalus, who was a girl from Greece, and was granted immortality in her death, and she became the protecting spirit for Artemis's shrine in um, Melite. Then there was Brightomatus, who was granted immortality after leaping into the sea to avoid Minos's loss, King Minos. Thank God. And then there was the Hyperborean maidens, uh, Hecurge, Loxo, and Upus, who were immortal in their death and tended... Uh, Artemis' shrine on the island of Delos, which is where she and Apollo were born. Then there was uh, Iphigenia, who was a princess of Mycenae, and she was made immortal after she was offered to Artemis as a sacrifice. And Artemis was like, no. And then there was uh, Macaria Eucleia, who was made immortal after she sacrificed herself for her family. And Parthenos and Hermithia, who were two princesses of Naxos, and Apollo granted them immortality. And then there was Aphalano and Polybia, who were just more princesses made immortal. In history, there were only two men who were allowed to ride in the hunt with her. So there was uh, Hippolytus, who was a prince of southern Greece, and he was a friend and companion of Artemis, and was slain through them uh, basically by Aphrodite. And then Asclepius, who was Apollo's most famous demigod son, brought him back to life, and then Asclepius became a god for... um... Medicine? No, because Apollo was the god of medicine. Yeah, he was just... And Asclepius was specifically one aspect of medicine, I can't remember. But then there was uh, Orion, who... We also mean. <laughs> yeah, who was turned into a big uh, constellation, and he tried to rape Artemis, even yeah. though they were friends first. He was a giant, and yeah, he hunted he was, with them. he hunted with them. Before she originally he was killed let him in, and then, yeah. yeah, he fell in love with her and tried to rape her, and she was like, fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> Some of the gods that also used to run with her hunt from time to time were Apollo, Athena, Leto, her mother... Uh, the Muses and Persephone. Nice. Yes, yeah. Persephone. Get up there. Yeah. And then so ones that were in the hunt but then were cast out when they were either married or were taken advantage of were Anticlea, who was Odysseus's mother, and she was a maiden in her youth and then just when she had children wasn't a maiden anymore. Yeah. Then there was uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, the one who, you know, challenged all the men who wanted to marry her to a foot race and then she beat them all, so she got to kill them. Yes. Before she was married to Melanian, who, you know, tricked her into marrying him. Then there was uh, Callisto, before she was raped by Zeus. Uh, Kyrene, before she was raped by Apollo. Phalanome, before she was seducted by Ares. And Progress, before she was married to Kephalos. Yeah. yeah. Don't you guys love how most of those were yeah. uh, raped or taken away sexually, and so their choice was gone? I love that. So, I yeah. love history. I love being a woman. Yeah. It's lovely. It's so then they're obviously fun. maidens of Artemis. Artemis herself is the goddess of hunting, wilderness, wild animals, and childbirth, and was the protectress of girls up until the age of their marriage, and similarly, Apollo was that for boys. Mm. And they were together, Artemis and Apollo were bringers of sudden death and disease and <laughs> Artemis used to target women and girls and Apollo used to target men and boys and it's like well if you're their protector why are you also targeting them with death and disease that doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense so yeah she was usually sense. depicted as a young girl with a hunting bow and quiver of arrows and her sacred animal was a deer which is why when we meet her in the next chapter yeah. she's got that deer in her lap 
that Percy thought wasn't real, <laughs> but it definitely was. He was like, thought it was a carcass, and then yeah. it moved, and I was like, holy fuck. And so because she was a virgin, she drew the attention of so many gods, and it was only her hunting companion, Orion, that uh, won her heart, and, you know, then she killed him, because she was like, no, I'm not having sex with you. But then some people believed that because he was the first to try and almost successfully get with her, because they were friends were first, yeah. they think there were some... Uh, histories that state that the other gods killed Orion without Artemis knowing to try and protect Artemis's virginity when she couldn't do it for herself. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'd rather think that she killed him for being like, no, 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 you don't get to touch me. Yeah. So then the only other uh, guy who ever tried to get with her was Actaeon, and he saw her bathing naked and she turned him into a stag and then set his hounds, set her hounds on him. No, it said his hound, his own hounds on him. Sorry. Yeah. My memory was bad there. Yeah, so then his own hounds ripped him apart, and yeah, fun stuff. There was also another boy that saw her naked once, and then she just decided to turn him into a girl, because he was just a boy. He wasn't a man yet. Yeah, he was like, I didn't know anything. Yeah. See, and that's why when they're so mean and dismissive to Nico, I'm like, he's a ten-year-old. Yeah. He's a little baby. Like, you don't have to be such pricks to him he, he's just along for the ride like yeah up until that age where you start developing that's when you everyone has the same mindset when they're kids yeah like they're, they're not you know distinguished by their gender yet until they reach puberty and so he hasn't reached yet <laughs> yeah and the only thing that i don't baby, like so don't don't hate on him the only thing i don't like about rick's depiction of artemis in this series or in any of his series, is that he makes her out to be a man-hater. And yeah, basically anything that he writes of her dialogue or of her actions or anything is basically that she has no tolerance for any men at all. And it's like it's shown here a little bit when she's talking to Percy, when she's like, I could turn you into an animal if I wanted to. Like, the same as any other god does, but it just seems to have, like, an underlying, I will turn you into, like, cross me and I'll fucking do it, bitch. Try me. I'll cut you. <laughs> like, it just has that underlying, like, I... Some other gods might be lenient, but just because you're a boy, I'm not going to. And, yeah. I mean, he's Rick's probably writing that as to come from, like, a, all of my maidens, you know, that to swear against boys, and they originally were escaping men, so, like, I think men to be the devil and whatever. So that's probably where he's coming from a little bit, but, I don't know, it doesn't seem, like, very protectory of her, especially when Percy's literally a child right now. So it's like, this doesn't sit well with me. That's not to say that she can't have a, you know, band of hunters as her maidens who swear a voice for life. That's not a bad thing. No. They're just a bunch of Arrowace girls who have no interest in romantic love at all with men, which is fine. Or with women at this point. But we, there are some in Charles of Apollo that have interest in women, so they leave and that's fine. Yeah, there's no romantic love allowed in the Hunters of Artemis. Yeah. They're just Not like at all. friend loving and like companionship and like, oh my god, girl love. Girl power. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, I, I don't like that. That's what I mean when I say that they're so mean to like yeah. Nico and personally it's like they're both children they're both little kids they don't have you know they're not they haven't done anything wrong yet yeah. and so yeah. you can't hold men as a society you can't hold the wrongs they've done to yeah. you against Percy and Nico like and you and because you're a god you know that and so you have all the patience in the world or at least you should yeah, because you're a god and but I mean that's pretty much where that chapter ends off 
and I mean we can jump into chapter three. There's not much to go on in chapter three. It's literally pretty quick. Except for Percy's things. Well, yeah, Percy's things. So, Joe, in chapter three, Bianca D'Angelo makes a choice. What happens? All right. So what happens is it's jump straight off, and Percy like jump straight off from the chapter before ending. There's no big change of time or anything, and it's literally Percy lying on the ground, staring over the cliff, going. Where's <laughs> That's how it starts off, yeah. which is just Percy Where'd she go? panicking like hell because the love of his life, best friend, <laughs> yeah. is gone, and love he's like, oh my god, what am I supposed to do? And then he doesn't feel validated because nobody else seems to be feeling his anguish. Like, obviously, Talia and Grover are as well, but they're not showing it in the same way that Percy does, so he doesn't feel like anybody cares. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, like, they're compartmentalised better than he is. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> because, well, also the hunters of, Well, the hunters deal with this shit all the time. They're like, well, we lost a maiden, but it's okay, because Artemis is going to find her, so, like, it's fine. Yeah. And Artemis thinks she's probably <sighs> maybe not dead, so, like, it's fine. Whereas, yeah, but they don't explain that to him, so he's like... Ah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense for Talia not to be more distressed. Yeah. Grover has seen enough kids come and go that he should be yeah. kind of more on par, but Talia's just gotten her friend back. She should be as distraught, like if not maybe more than Percy. Like, Percy's worried and stressed, and Talia is frustrated and angry. Yeah. She's trying to channel that into being a leader, kind of, which I kind of get, because yeah. she think, you know, thinks she has to be a leader and thinks she has to do all these things, and so like I get it. But it's still, yeah, I don't know. I feel like she should be allowed to express her disappointment and her anguish with Annabeth's disappearance. Yeah. And, like, just as much as Percy can. I mean, the way that she expresses it, she admits she lashes out. Ah, Percy, yeah, yeah, too. Which is like, this is all your fault. Yeah. And Percy's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. She lashes out at Percy and Percy's like, we're the same person. <laughs> and then they get to take that anger out on each other in chapter six, but that's fine. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> Anyway, so Percy in anguish, and Talia lashing out, and Grover. Oh yeah, you're still recapping. Grover <laughs> focusing on looking up, uh, focusing on his job, which is looking after the two kids that he came to rescue. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. the hunters of Artemis setting up camp. <laughs> that's that's how the chapter begins. Yeah, yeah. And then it continues on. Where the chapter continues on is that we follow um, Artemis taking charge. And talking to Bianca and offering her immortality and to join her hunters and to swear a voice forever and to leave her younger brother in the hands of strangers that she's never met before. Yeah. Just to avoid responsibility. And um, just the way she states it, she was like, you got to get rid of your annoying little brother. I'm like, but, but you're the only family that he has and he loves you. And you supposedly love him. <laughs> supposedly. Supposedly? Supposedly. Supposedly. Anyway. Um, what Should I get pizza? Supposedly. Yeah, it's... Well, it not much really happens. It's just sort of like... Bianca makes a choice. That's dumb. Yeah, so that's the choice that she makes, whether or not to join or not. Um, yeah. Percy becomes... Sorry, Nico becomes more comf- comfortable with the group and starts asking questions. I guess really excited. <laughs> starts asking so many questions. Percy's like, dude, chill. <laughs> we find out who Zoe Nightshade is and we have a... get a glimpse at some... 
distress that's between Talia and Zoe in that moment. And that's pretty much it. And then Artemis calls on Apollo. That's yep, Artemis calls on her little bro. Little bro bro! Because, you know, as it's stated, Artemis was born first, so yeah. Apollo's her little brother. Even though they're twins. <laughs> some, I mean, some things say that she was born you know, minutes before her brother. Others say she was born, like, a full day before him because then she helped her mum through yeah. Apollo's birth. So, like, that's why she's the goddess of childbirth, too, because she assisted her mother with her childbirth. Yeah. So, that's always fun. Yeah. But, yeah, so if we're going to get into some really fun things, my very first note that I had for this chapter is, as they're talking about the hunters and they're conversing with them, and Nico's asking where Dr. Thorne went that kind of thing. Yeah, he's still and... tripping. He's like, what? Oh, yeah. And so, uh, when Nico's asking all these questions about demigods and monsters, and it starts to click with Bianca, and she goes, oh, that makes sense, because we saw that guy last year, yeah. and Nico was like, I told you that he had ram's horns. I told you he was real. And Bianca's like, shut up. <laughs> and then they turn to Grover, and... Bianca goes, you're a demigod? And then he kicks off his shoes and he goes, I'm a satyr and shows his go-to's and then Percy thinks Bianca was going to faint right there. She's from the 1940s. <laughs> She's not about to faint because she can see that Grover has hooves. She's about to faint because he's showing her his ankles. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. They would have seen ankles by 1940s, but it's still just funny. <laughs> yeah. That was what pumped in my head. I went, oh, ankles. Scandalous. Scandalous. My goodness. <sighs> But yeah, I don't have any notes for this chapter, actually. <laughs> so then, okay, as they're, you know, getting to know things, Percy gets fixed up by one of the hunters, and he, like, reveals his uh, stab wound from Thorn, and Nico's standing right there, and he goes, Oh my god, it's so cool, it's green! And Percy's like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> Nico <laughs> being a full fan. Yes, <laughs> just out of so nowhere, it was cute. like Nico's also funny because he can see how queasy Percy really is, and he's like, oh, "It's green, it's so cool." Because he's ten, guys. He's a little baby. First boy. time seeing like magic and a stab wound, and he's just like, he said it with delight, "Oh my god, it's green." <laughs> I just think he's like, so "Cool, funny. can I have one? Can I have one?" Yeah, literally. I also just had a note that everybody forgets that Nico's an extrovert because he's so, you know held over by his trauma in the rest of the series yeah. because Bianca dies. And I'm sorry so, to spoil it, the reason he has trauma, guys, is because he's abandoned. Well, he just, yeah, he he's got, got like, abandoned a lot of, by a sister and his sister He's died. got a lot of issues in the rest of the series, and people forget that he, like, has just naturally suppressed his extroverted side of himself and his happy-go-lucky, ready-to-ask-a-question, ready-to-make-friends with everyone, ready-to-do-this-this-this-this-this, so jumping from this to this to that to that, and, like, just ready to be this happy kid. And, yeah, all this shit happens to him, and he just goes from... He just shuts down. And I think it's really fun that even though Rick has not written his character correctly, it yeah, I've got a lot of things to say, that even in Heroes of Olympus, and when he's talking to Frank, mm. and... Like, he's abandoned Myth and Magic by that point. But then Frank goes, oh, yeah, I had, like, this card for this person. And Nico's like, that didn't that come in, didn't come in that expansion pack, but it came in this one. He's still, like, a little nerdy and little yeah. knows, like, his stuff about it. And then it's the same thing in uh, I'm just Frank being surprised by that. Like, <laughs> yeah, Nico just like, being like, no, you heathen. It did not come from that. It came from the Africana. He's also so sassy about it. Yeah. Sassico. 
I love it. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's all I had to say about that bit. And then, so we get into... But honestly, it's such a sad day when he loses, when, and then the fact that he still hasn't really reverted, like, that he hasn't gotten over his trauma yet, the trauma yet, and the trauma changed him completely, that he's yeah. not, he will never be again no. that happy boy. He's, he's getting better in Apollo, yeah. but it's still not great. It's more, yeah, I mean, the, the most he gets to it is banter bickering with his boyfriend. Yeah. That's See, it. See, here's the thing. Rick has alluded to, after Tara of Nero came out, on Twitter, Rick was like, he like in Tara of Nero, there was a lot of, you know, hints that he was giving that he was going to give Nico and Will their own book, and hinting that Nico was going to go back into Tartarus. Spoiler. What? Um, yeah. So that's what he was hinting, and then, so on his Twitter, after Tara of Nero came out, he was like, that's the end of Camp Half-Blood Chronicles, not saying I'll never come back to it, but for now, we're finished. But I definitely have some standalone books in mind, but, like, not doing those just yet. But, like, if they're there, like, I have enough to write, and everyone's like, we get it, you're writing a story about Nico. Just put it out already. And so, I'm hoping that that kind of, having a whole book about him, because, like, we had his perspective in Blood of Olympus, so, like, we kind of got to know him a bit better through that. But having a whole book be from his point of view and be fully just about Nico, I am hoping that the development that could come for his character in that would be beneficial but there's just ample opportunity for Rick to fuck that shit up because no doubt he'll just ruin it (laughs) this series that we love so much I'm gonna dump on the shit out of the author (laughs) fucking suck he's basically summoned to talk to Artemis yeah and yeah, that's when she starts going on her, and Zoe's standing there, like, backing her up, ready to be like, oh, remember you turned that boy into that jackal one time? Oh, remember you just... <laughs> She's just ready to stab somebody. Yeah, just re- she just hates Percy on sight, Zoe does. And I'm like, it's we get it, he's a boy, but, like... She reminds... Yeah. He reminds her of... Yeah, and he's also course. carrying Riptide, which doesn't help, but, like, no. you know... And then at one point, he's carrying the Nimi Lion's, you know, coat, and she's, like, <laughs> triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I also just love Zoe so much. I think she's so funny. Really? Yes. Especially in some of the later chapters, I'm like, I love that that she talks in, like, old-fashioned areas. Does thy not know? You're like, the language changes too much. She's like, fuck off. Doth mother know you weareth her dress. I love it. Oh, is he talking to Loki? He's talking to Thor. So yeah, he's talking to Artemis and she's, you know, basically wanting to hear his side of the story, but then also every time he says anything, she's brushing him off and trying to tell him what he knows. And so I get a little bit frustrated with him here. She's either agreeing with what, like Artemis, is either agreeing with what Percy's saying or discrediting him straight away and going off Bianca's word. And Bianca's there ready to impress Artemis and like trying to disagree with Percy in that point as well, or correcting like, him. And Zoe's also there, you know, trying to correct Percy, because especially when he I messes wonder, up on something. This is how women feel all the time. <laughs> yeah, because he says, when Thorne was talking about the great stir pot, and Bianca interrupts him automatically, and just goes, the great stirring. And it's he, like, well, Artemis would have known <laughs> what he was talking about. Let him process. His friend has just died. Anyway. But yeah, that statement in itself, that's, guys, uh, we're any male listeners, this is how women feel pretty much all the time, <laughs> that uh, we're not being heard and we're being contradicted 24-7, yeah. so thank you for that. Yeah. Here's a taste of your own medicine. <laughs> yeah. And so then, basically, after he's explained everything that happened and everything that Thorn said in his villain monologue, Artemis basically goes, well, I have to go and hunt this beast that he said is going to bring down Olympus, because that's my job, I hunt beasts, which we know what the beast is, not fearsome at all, but 
will meet that beast yeah. soon enough. They don't know that it's not beast. And, yeah, so she basically goes away, and Zoe's like, do you want us to come with you? And she's like, no, 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 this is a job I have to do by myself. And Zoe's like, what are we, chocolate liver? Like, we go with you everywhere. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I go with your vibe on my own. <laughs> no, you stay and then, vibe with the homie. <laughs> and then Artemis basically goes, yeah, no, I don't need you to come with me, but I basically need you to play chauffeur to, um these demigods please take them back to camp and Zoe's like we fucking hate that place we're not going there and Artemis is like well yes you are because I make the rules <laughs> and so then they all go to camp and well not go to camp yet because they all Artemis she arranges a ride Apollo and that is pretty much where we're at the story ends except for Bianca obviously choosing to join the hunters <laughs> which was the title of Jadabra and we barely even talked about it no so let's talk about it joining the hunters um no thanks no, 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 I mean Bianca joining the Hunters. Oh, well, for me, no What thanks. a... Because I'm not athletic enough to do that. I just think it was the wrong choice for her. She could have been so cool. Instead, she chose to be a sheep. And I know it's because... We already talked about this a little bit. But I know it's because she, you know, felt she had the responsibility of a younger brother. But, like, you kind of didn't. He's ten. Ten's not as young as you think it is. No. Like, you're pretty autonomous at ten. Especially when you're an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I don't know. You've been taking care of yourself for a while. He just wants a friend, and you yeah, happen to be Yeah, I think friend. that she thinks that he needs more taken care of than he does. So if she just stepped back a little bit, like, that, you didn't have to go to the drastic measure of joining the Hunters just to escape your younger brother. You could have just, like, joining the demigods would have been a perfect opportunity to get that distance from him. Like, still be his older sister, but not join the Hunters and fully abandon your younger brother. Because if you'd both gone to Camp Half-Blood, you both would have found a place within the camp and then also not everyone will be afraid so afraid of Nico when he's older because he's the only Hades kid and also nobody would be afraid of him because he's such a bubbly kid yes literally because then everyone would have gotten to know him in the Hermes cabin before he became a Hades kid instead they would have made jokes they would have been like wow a a Hades kid literally he's so happy and bubbly all the time never heard of aren't you supposed to be yeah. They'd be like, aren't you supposed to be if dark you're from Africa, and why are you so white? Oh my god, Karen, you can't just ask him why they're white. But like, it would have been one of those kind of scenarios. Yeah. Instead Like of a total juxtaposition. It would have been great. It and it like kind brilliant. of, it kind of still is, but not to the extent that it that would so be, could be. That would be like a gothic Apollo kid. That would yeah. Because be... Nico is still incredibly funny and incredibly sassy in the role that he has in the rest of the books. Nobody but really sees it the first If he was see. sunshine yellow, if you swapped his and Will's person that would make it so much better. Yeah. Because, oh my god, the dark one is soft for the sunshine one, but it's not the one you think. <laughs> the sunshine one should be the dark one, and the dark one should be the sunshine one. <laughs> so, I just, I think this was the wrong choice for her, and the wrong choice for Rick to make for her. Because I just feel like also, I mean, the dynamic that Bianca could have had with Percy and with Talia as the three oldest children of the big three. True. Spoiler. We've already said she's a child of Hades. But, like, if she'd stayed at camp, like, it just could have been so awesome. And it would have been so much more awesome, too, to have two of of the big three kids. The two ladies? Yes, two of them to be girls instead of two boys and one girl. You could have had two girls and a boy, and it just would have made it better. Because girls are awesome. Yeah. It just would have made it better. And also, we could have found out who Bianca was. Yes, as a person, literally. Because all we find out is that she is... A an abandoning child. bitch. <laughs> she's older than Nico, and now she's a hunter of Artemis. That's it. Yeah. We don't. She has no personality that we know of. No, we apart from she's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, you're fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're nuts too. Okay. <laughs> so it's one of those. I'm surrounded types. by idiots. <laughs> 
But like, literally, we don't really know anything about her. We don't know what her life was like. Yeah, literally. Like, we know the story of her life, but we don't know how it was... Ex- <laughs> we don't know how it was experienced through her. Yeah. I don't know. She could just could have been so cool. Yeah. She just could have been so cool. And it would have... I mean, it would have shadowed Nico a little bit more. And so you could still have him be in the shadow of his older sister and still have him take on some of those traits of feeling underappreciated and that kind of thing if you wanted to keep him in that same way as a character. Yeah, you could have had him feel lesser as a demigod or as a child of the big three compared to Bianca. Yeah, you could because, have had him feeling all that. Because his sister was overshadowed. Yes, and because his sister was... If Percy dies, well, Bianca's the next chosen one, you know? Like, yeah. it could have been that, and you could have had... Oh my god, it could have opened an opportunity for then Nico to be so feel underappreciated as a character and then join Kronos' side. What? That would have changed the tone of everything. And I'm not saying that I don't like how Percy Jackson turns out as the whole series, but yeah. just the possibilities here. The possibilities here. Someone should write some fanfic about this. There probably is. There probably is. Staying a bubbly, happy Hades kid. <laughs> probably. Because it would also prove. Come on, guys. I'm just advocating for Hades now. Could <laughs> be like he's got these bubbly, happily, happily happy kids. Yeah. Be like it would prove like isn't Hades supposed to be all dark and gloomy? It'd be like have you ever actually had a conversation with my dad before? He's actually not that dark and gloomy. Like he has a job, but his job doesn't define him. <laughs> but then if Bianca had stayed alive and Bianca had the ability that Nico has to call on skeleton armies, can you just imagine the absolute? bossness of both Clarice and Bianca just being the general to two huge fucking armies walking into the final battle being like, miss me bitch? I'm right here bitch and I brought the cavalry bitch. So many missed opportunities. Oh my god. Such a missed opportunity. Like, you've wasted such a good character. Like, if you're going to kill someone, make it not someone of the big three, please. They're already rare enough as it is. (laughs) If you think about it, they Kill a hedge, I don't like him. (laughs) <laughs> Make him the protector on this quest instead of Grover. Even though I love Grover. It, if you think about it, um, then you could have had Grover it was and Percy going a wasted on their own opportunity quest for, get out of it. for two of the, both of them. Yeah. It was a wasted opportunity for both of them. Yeah. And you turned Nico into a cliche. Yes. A traumatized, really sad. And you boy. also turned Nico into a cliche as a point of. But when he had a sibling, he was a point of difference. Because it was. Then it, you could have had the dichotomy of Hades having two powerful children. Yeah. And both Zeus and. Percy only having one, and I realized that that's one and of the reasons that, that Bianca died. It's that Hades didn't break any rules. No, but I realized that that's one of the reasons that Bianca died because it was like we can't have Zeus and Poseidon probably thinking we can't have Hades being overpowering us, you know, blah blah blah. So like, yeah. this is the fates bringing this on, but it's really just us. And so it's like, but you could have had such a good opportunity yeah. for Hades to come out on fucking top. I love him. Oh, I could scream from the fucking rooftops about Bianca. Miss Justice of her death. Mis- injustice, not Miss Justice, sorry. Sorry, the injustice of her character. Yes, her wasted opportunity, character. wasted potential. The oh. way her character was turning out. I like everyone was like I was devastated when Bianca died. I'm like, I we didn't know her. Yeah, no, we literally do not know we her. We didn't know her. I didn't we didn't really care. We know her as a sheep. That's all we know her like, as. I was sad for Nico because we found out who literally. Nico was and how much he like depended on her. Literally. And like like emotionally depended <sighs> on her. 
Um, but yeah, we didn't, like, they were like, oh, no, Bianca died. I was like, okay. You missed an opportunity for Hades to favour Bianca more because Bianca would look like Maria D'Angelo. Yeah. Rather than, you know, and so then there's another opportunity for Nico to be dark and gloomy and join Luke's side because he's underappreciated by both his old sister like and the other demigod and her dad. I like and his dad. No, I like it. I'm going to keep reading it. I hate it. I don't like it. Maybe no. I have to write a fanfic. I don't think I won't. I'm too busy for that. No, I don't... But just like, you know, if you were going to follow that path, or if you're going to follow any path, even if he doesn't join Luke, you still have the opportunity for him to feel underappreciated by both Bianca and the demigods and his own yeah. dad, because his own dad appreciates his older sister more than him. Yeah, and then on top of that, his sister... When in reality, he should have been the miracle child, because he's given Hades the, op- the advantage against his two brothers. Yeah. With having more powerful children. And on top of that, hello, it's Hades was favouring Bianca. It's like, well, that's, hello, he's favouring his female daughter over his son, which, you know, it's usually the other way around. Sorry, just another feminist moment there to be like, hey, girl power. Oh, it's all just so, could have been so good. Could have been it literally so could have been good. so good. Anyway, enough ranting for today. I think that we've waffled enough about these three episodes, because, um, three episodes, three chapters, because they were just so good. I think it's waffling. I think it's all valid information. Well, yeah. This is very true, and it is all valid information. This is brand new information. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think that we're done with this one, and if you guys want to leave us a rate and review, that would be fantastic. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at DamnSnackBarPod. If you want to send us an email, we are DamnSnackBarPod at Outlook.com. Woo! Sounds good. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm joey.mcd33 that's j-o-e-y dot m-c-d-3-3 if you want to chat talk to me really scroll through my instagram photos there's like five all of two them. of them <laughs> all five of them go ahead have a look and if you want to follow me on instagram i'm at katie mac that's k-a-t-i-e-m-a-c double k on tiktok i am at katie mac k-a-t-i-e dot m-c no dot m-a-c triple k whoa oh twitter and tumblr i'm at fishjesus f-i-s-h-j-e-z-u-s and i would absolutely love you if you came and talk to me. I love talking about this shit with literally anyone who will listen. <laughs> That's why I hope you have a podcast. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was all, yeah. Anyway, we love it I so much. I subject and she just gets to talk <laughs> to me and I'm like, okay. We're like that meme of the mum sitting on the couch like, eh, and the daughter like, <laughs> ranting at her. Like, I'm the daughter and you're the mum sitting on the couch. Yeah, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Every now and then I add in my two cents, but it's case run the show. <laughs> I'm like, I that's cool. So, yeah. Anyway, that's us for this week, guys. Come and t- tell us what you think our next title mashup is going Send to be. Send us your and questions and queries. For that, we will see you on the pod next time. Or hear you. Or see you'll guys. hear us. Bye. 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 Bye